Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. I hope you had a great weekend. I know I did. I know Rosie did too. She said during our staff meeting this morning, she did nothing and loved it. So how was your nothing weekend, Rosie? It was so fabulous. I'm embarrassed to say because <laughs> I didn't move my rear end off Sometimes the couch. Sometimes you need to unplug yeah. and just let it be. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a Beatles song about that, let it be. <laughs> I think you should hum a few bars. Let- no, no, I'm not okay. going to do that. I'm not right. going to do that. All right. Nope. Hey, have you downloaded the Faith Radio app? I'm going to ask you, Rosie. Have you? I have, and okay. I listen to it all the time. It's really nice. Oh my goodness! The graphics are beautiful. Yeah. Um, it's convenient. You can you can program it to just open the app and have it start playing. It's pretty and, cool. And if you're listening, I even listen to it in my car because sometimes I miss the signal signal yeah. back and forth. So fabulous. Don't bring that up. Oops. Did I say something? Yeah. No. Nope, no. Nope. <laughs> but if you want to download that, you can go to your app store. I know they're different from Apple to Android, but you can find it, My Faith Radio app, and download it. And give it a try. I think you'll like it. All right. I've got a great show. I always like starting the day on a lighter note on Mondays because a merry heart is like good medicine, and I always appreciate the merriness that my friend Patrick Albanese brings. He's my friend, my confidant, my colleague, and uh, my colleague. Did I say colleague already? I meant confidant. Because that's a, a more of a deeper friendship. Patrick, welcome. Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, yeah. I, there, you know, you, I think you need to add to that intro. It's just not long enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, what what winter are you on in Minneapolis? We're on number seven here. I think Which we're nine. We're did number it, nine. Did it? Did it? Yeah. Another blast. You this know, weekend. I, I think. Uh, yeah, it's funny because we, we've had 50 and 60 degree days. We've had a couple of these spells where, and I fall for it every year. I'm worse than uh, Charlie Brown with the football, where I say, well, winter's back is finally broken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the next day it's 12 degrees out <laughs> with six inches of snow. And I think, oh, you know, and I, I, if for all you people out there, if you're looking for someone to blame, that would most likely be my wife who continually puts the winter stuff away so when you want to go shovel that snow where are my gloves where's my winter coat those are in the basement mm. they were put away for the season well i, so I, I love to dig stuff out a couple of times i love her optimism that is nice Me too. yeah it is and, nice yes and i will say that our circadian rhythm is off today uh, because the clocks got mm-hmm. pushed ahead. That's all I'm going to say about that. We can just move on from there. What I want to talk about today, Patrick, yeah. with you, a couple of things. I want to start by chatting about when we feel a temptation or we feel um, the the call that comes into our heads. The Bible says that the spirit takes the call or the flesh takes the call. And sometimes they pick up at the same time, but then you have to have one of them hang up. Oh, sure. That was like when you and your sister answered the, the extensions of the phone at the same <laughs> right. time. 
Right. Because you were both expecting calls. And yes. And uh, there would be the yell from the other floor saying, I've got it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> now, we I used to answer yeah. my phone as a kid, Arnold Residence, Bill speaking. There was both a welcome and an authority when I did that. And if you walk in the yeah, now, spirit, you, yeah. you can now answer yeah. Jesus's residence. Who may I ask is calling? Mm. Who may I ask is calling? Yeah. But of course you have caller ID. You know exactly <laughs> who he's calling. <laughs> Not necessarily. Not necessarily because things come into your brain pretty fast. You might be uh, finding yourself in a situation where you've got to make a split decision. Is the flesh taking the call or is the, the spirit taking the call? Well, you know, and and this is this is actually somewhat related. If you ever get a, you know, the caller ID thing that says potential spam, right? Are you still tempted to answer? You say, well, what if it's wrong? What if it isn't potential spam? What well, you know? What if it's yeah. that guy from the lottery? <laughs> <laughs> yes. What if it's Publishers Clearinghouse? Right. Right. What if they? Yeah. Yeah. They they were going to knock on the door. You weren't home, so they called. Mm-hmm. But uh, you don't have them in your phone book, so it's potential spam. So you're tempted. I'm. I admit to being tempted to answer potential spam, uh, and uh, I shouldn't. Yeah. I've, it, it, let's just say that it's never been publishers clearing house. It never has. Yeah. So Patrick, yeah. let me ask you this: For example, you get a letter from the IRS that gets your attention. And it's yes. certified, and that makes you nervous because you feel like, uh-oh, this might be trouble. And you open yes. it, and they say you owe in back taxes $900,000, which is an outrageous claim, right? Yes. All right. Yeah. So you are That's going to quickly find out about that letter, and you're going to call them and say, this can't be right. And they're going to yes. look through all the records, and they're going to say— Ooh, you're right. That didn't. That's not correct, and we're sorry. We but, were just kind of hoping you'd pay it without asking. <laughs> <laughs> but here's here's my point. You get a a letter that has an outrageous claim, and you instantly do something about it. Yes. Yeah, especially something like that, because you think, boy, oh boy, oh boy, the interest on that alone. If I don't make this phone call. <laughs> <laughs> But that's going to be nine hundred and one thousand dollars by tomorrow. Yes. Here's my follow-up you, comment. Now, Jesus yeah. makes the most outrageous claims when he says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me." That's a pretty outrageous claim. It is. He he uh, uh, he was able to back that up. Just in case he was. There was anybody listening and wondering. He was able to back that up. However. It certainly took extraordinary circumstances, uh, f- even for some of those closest to him, to believe it. They had, they saw a lot. They were witness to a lot of miracles, and even toward the end, they were still saying, "Okay, okay, we we saw a lot of what you did, but uh, you're going to transcend death, huh?" Um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you look at the apostles that struggled at the end, and either turned on him or, you know, claimed to not know him uh, because they said, I just, I don't know if I'm there. And then after the resurrection, they say, oh, I get it now. It took those kind of extraordinary circumstances. It, it's, it, it, I used to wonder about that. I used to say, why did God choose to do it this way? 
but he understood human nature enough to know that that's about what it would take for some people to finally say, I get it. Mm -hmm. It takes sometimes a, uh, a very large move. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the authorities, the Pharisees, they wanted to kill Jesus. His friends were often confused by him. Um, there are mm-hmm. passages in scripture where his family thought he was nuts in Mark. And he spent three years r- relatively homeless. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, knowing exactly that it was going to end in a most painful way, mm-hmm. s- stayed with the program, so to speak. Yes, he did. Uh, you know, I mean, that's extraordinary right there. Very, very few normal humans let's say mm-hmm. would be would be able to do that could 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 withstand that and you know, it's even amazing some of the apostles sticking around when they said you know there's a lot of people calling for your death and it, you're just not a good person to be around right now but the stakes are high your side. there's there's the a danger to being here with you yeah yeah, but, yeah. You, you know what it was like, you know, do, I mean, I think you went to a Catholic grade school too. And, and if a nun said, okay, who did it? <laughs> whatever, whatever it was, right? Uh, it didn't take long to get people to say, oh, it was, it was Bill Arnold. He's the guy you want. Just, <laughs> just don't drag me into this. Yeah, thanks yeah. a lot. But to get yeah. back to my, my point before we go to break, I want to I just say, yeah, you get the outrageous claims in life. You act on them quickly. So as we're having... Yes conversations with friends, if you were to say, if you got a bill from the IRS that was $900,000, and let's say you've never made more than $30,000 a year, you'd be very suspicious as to why the bill would be so high. You would call them and say, what's up with this? Because the claim is so outrageous. And when Mm -hmm. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life, no one comes to the Father but by me, you can say to your friends and family members, seems like an outrageous claim. What if it's true? Yeah. And there were people then, that, obviously, like you had mentioned, that wanted him dead. Oh, yeah. Because of those claims. They said, this is outrageous. Yeah. I think we have to, there's only one way to take care of this problem. Um, it's an outrageous claim, uh, but it's worth investigating. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, I don't, I don't know if you could just easily, you know, slough that off, so to speak. Say, nope. And I'm sorry, but his his life and his works uh, certainly point to, ah, he was speaking the truth. Was he not? Yes, he was. Yeah. Yes, he was. Yeah. All right, Patrick, yeah. when I come back, I want to ask you about something that the Swedes do, people in Sweden. All right, this is going to be interesting because I think it makes a whole lot of sense. And you've got uh, an experience that just you just went through that sort of yeah. will talk about that. So we'll be right back with Patrick Albanese, my... Friend and colleague, or should I say, my dear friend and confidant. There we go. From the great state of Iowa. Be right back. We want to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. We're creating encouraging posts every day to help you focus on the important things as you spend time on social media. From graphics that feature Bible verses and quotes from our hosts and show guests to articles about topics you are interested in to videos from our hosts. Search Faith Radio on social media sites to connect with us today. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... 
I could while away the hours Confirming with the flowers Consulting with the rain that song is the theme song for Patrick Albanese, my dear friend and confidant from the great state of Iowa and the prestigious town of West Des Moines. Patrick, the Swedish do some things really well, but one thing that they have... Meatballs. They do, they do marvelous fan- the meatballs. Fantastic meatballs. Yes, I love that. Yes. Those little skinny pancakes you wrap up, uh, the Swedish... The, yes. Oh, those are so good. I know, and meatball kn- pancakes, not to be overlooked. <laughs> <laughs> that I've never tried. I'm not sure. <laughs> no, yeah. no. Uh, that doesn't you, even sound good to okay, me. Okay, you were going to ask me about Swedish pancakes, weren't you? Yeah, well, you I was. Have you? Can you make those yeah. at home, or do you have to go out and have a professional do them somewhere? They're so thin, I just assume you need a spatula that's about a foot <laughs> wide <laughs> to flip that thing. Yeah, you're probably right. But that's not what but, I want to uh, talk about, so, what the Swedes I, do. Oh, okay. Yeah. The Swedish... One of many things the Swedes do. The Swedish are big into cleaning in a way that organizes their life for their death in mind. And it's something they start in their 30s and 40s. They call it death cleaning. And it's not about dusting or mopping. It's about a, a permanent form of organization that makes your everyday life run more smoothly. Now you just and then your transition into the to the next life a little bit easier on those left behind. I, I think that's is, that's part of the plan. Now you, I mean I'm doing I yeah I, I do do some of that I I mean I've well to help my kids out I've already cleaned out the bank accounts <laughs> I've just made <laughs> you've made that. Oh. Less complicated. I've made, I've, I took care of that, and, and that will be, just be a thing they won't have to worry about okay. or deal with. There'll be no distribution concerns. I got it's it. It's going to be I easy. Got it. Yeah. Now, recently, yeah. you had an aunt that left a whole pile of stuff. Tons yeah, and tons so of my, stuff. She did. Well, yeah, so she did. There were a couple of things that, uh, and I might have told how uh, we, she had gone in for a doctor's visit, and they said, well, you are in terrible shape. She didn't know. She had uh, cancer. It was stage four. And they said, you can't even go home. Oh, wow. Can't even go home. So, uh, she went right into, uh, uh, a hospital until they got her into a hospice. And, but she ended up actually lasting a, a few months and just out of sheer luck, you know, it's like, she has to sell her place, was not allowed to go home. Uh, her son had to sell the place and they put it up for sale and they just didn't have much time to get it in order. And a old retired, um, army guy came by who possessed nothing and, uh, he loved the place with all this furniture. Mm-hmm. They said, well, we're going to move it out and sell it. He says, can I buy it all? All of it. Wow. So he, so that made that part of the event easier. And then it, she did, uh, in, in the time she had, she had made extensive lists of who she wanted to have certain things. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, uh, her son and his wife organized the rest of it. And my wife went by the other day and they went through tons of stuff. I now have the world's largest collection of cheese graters. Nice. <laughs> Because she happened to have quite a few of those, and my wife knows that I like the great cheese. But um, yeah, it uh, it's and she had you know she had been kind of downsizing over the years, and it was still a lot to go mm-hmm. through. It was a lot. Yeah, 
So this this might help you feel less stressed and overwhelmed, and it might help you get more done. If you look at your house and you think, do you have certain rooms that are, are just sort of overwhelmed with stuff, or are you fairly mm-hmm. streamlined? Overwhelmed, with, I mean, I don't have to clear a path. I don't need to bring you know a shovel in to okay. make it from one room to the next. But uh, there, especially with the recent onslaught of new items coming in uh it you know it, it's a lot mm-hmm. it's a lot of stuff and uh, i think george carlin had a whole routine about it. we have to buy bigger houses to house all of our stuff i know and then we buy more stuff uh i've brought this it's up a be- lot it's I've, a lot yeah i brought this up before on the show and it's not a super interesting statistic but i think in 1950 i think the average family of six were in a home about 1,200 square feet with yeah. with one and a half bathrooms. And there were no personal storage spaces. And I think today the average home size is about 1,800 square feet, and we have 50 million storage spaces for people to go put their stuff. A lot wow. of stuff. A lot of stuff. Well, and, you know, there are people now that have walk-in closets bigger than the home my grandparents had. <laughs> yeah it's 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 yeah you know, i mean you know people lived in 800 square foot homes and i've seen some walk-in closets that are almost that big you know and of course we also didn't have uh well at least see i have two brothers and uh we had one suit between the three of us i mean we all had to you know, if there was a family event, we had to take turns wearing the suit, but uh, it was, <laughs> we just, we didn't have closet space, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, and I think, uh, my dad had a couple of suits and then just a series of white shirts. So that didn't take up much space in the closet. You know, if you got four white shirts and you launder them regularly, uh, you know, what did your grandparents have that your grandpa had like one suit? So the closet was tiny. Mm-hmm. The house was tiny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the simpler stra- times. The strategy that the Swedes are suggesting and encouraging is that paring down sooner than later is a smart idea, as people are less likely to do it as they get older. And I, I don't think that is surprising at all because it's physical work, and yeah, it's, it's, it's it's emotional work, and you yeah. have to be thinking and you have to go and process all that stuff. So when you're younger, I think it's a little easier to do. And that's why they encourage it. And it might be easier to do it, you know, if, if you start when you're younger and you're just, you occasionally purge. Uh, you know, my stepfather still lives in the house that I grew up in that my mother and father bought in 1964. So you can imagine how full that basement is. That's full Especially basement. when she remarried and then he downsized his house, furniture ended up down there. Then sometimes kids come by and grab the furniture. Then they eventually bring it back and say, this stuff's no good. <laughs> and uh, you end up with, uh, it's just a 60 years worth of accumulation, 60 years worth of accumulation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's just the occasional purging might do you good, but because otherwise somebody's going to have to deal with it, right? Exactly. And if you can push yourself a little harder than you're comfortable with, I think that's one of the keys to getting your your home in a slightly better, less cluttered order. And I do think it helps productivity. I know, you know, cleaning is one thing, but reorganizing and getting rid of things is significantly different 
where you think I've yes. taken I've taken three bags of things to um, the Salvation Army or Goodwill, and I think mm-hmm. now this these items will be put to use by somebody else. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny. I, I, we were just doing this because we were having to clear a, a rack of clothing, and from old jobs that I haven't had for years, I have shirts with the company insignia on them, and the company's gone. So, <laughs> like, yeah. it's not like I could go to the company and say, "Anybody want these shirts?" Uh, I said, "Well, I guess I could d- deliver these, and people could walk around and uh, wear these fine shirts that I've hardly used." And I say, why have I hung on to these for 10 years? Because why do I have shirts with insignias on them for 10 years and I don't work there? You know, that's a really good question. I mean, I think men might have more of clothing items that they're almost like souvenirs. It's like, well, I won a golf tournament in that shirt. And here's a picture of me and my buddies and I'm wearing that shirt. So I can't get, <laughs> I can't get rid of that shirt. I haven't I worn it in 12 yeah. years and I don't plan to wear it again, but I can't get rid of it. Now, or the, here's my proverbial fallback. It's like, well, you know, I can always use good painting clothes. <laughs> so yeah. the other day, <laughs> I was going through a drawer and said, apparently I have 12 pair of old jeans that are my painting jeans, <laughs> but I, but I don't paint. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I, I just have a whole drawer full of, uh, I'm not exaggerating. I think it was 12 pair of pants. Oh, that's that very just, funny you know, to me. They're too old. They're too raggedy to wear. I go, those are for painting. <laughs> <laughs> but tell me how many painting uh, opportunities you have coming up. How about zero? Zero. Zero. No, no. I mean, I, I had a, you know, we got a new thermostat and I had a, a patch in the, and that took me a day and a half. <laughs> It was three inch by two inch <laughs> patches, and I you, had to get the proper clothing on. <laughs> yeah, did you put on? Did you put on some of your painting pants that day, or did you just skip it? I, you know what, I took a risk. Okay. I took a risk that I wouldn't. And I figured, what's the worst that could happen is if I spill some paint on the pants I'm wearing, they'll just go in the drawer with the other painting <laughs> pants. <laughs> I have another pair of painting pants. Yeah. So anyway, I think that's how ended up there. Yeah, I, uh, I think the part of the moral of this little story is the the Swedes are you know do some things well, but getting rid of you know items can serve as a reminder that things don't last forever, and that involves us as well. It does, mm-hmm. and 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 it will it will be easier because everything that you possessed. If it's all left behind, there's emotional decisions for somebody to make about those. And I, those are difficult. You say, well, I can't just throw this away. This, you know, we went, my brother and I went to my other brother, Bob's house when he passed away. It was one of the hardest things. What are, you, are we supposed to do with this? All right. This, this was his favorite coffee can. Right. Yes. <laughs> This had Folgers coffee in it. He loved this can. But he also would stash cash in there, wouldn't he? Wasn't that, that one of his little banks? Two thousand dollars. So I can see why everyone really loved that coffee can. Everybody loved it. Fighting yeah, for that we, coffee. We can. had. My sister said, "Open up everything. Don't take anything for nothing. Is garbage here? Right? You know. You never uh, know where money's going to turn up. Under the mattress. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot. It was yeah. a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. All right, Patrick. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure we solved nothing, but it was uh, fun trying. <laughs> We discussed it, though. Yeah, we did. We did. Yeah, well, go organize your, your uh, drawer of painting pants, and we'll talk next week. All right. Talk All to right, you later. All right. See you later. Patrick Albanese, my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa. After a short break, we're going to resume with our Monday afternoon mix. Pastor David Miles and Rosie B. We're going to continue our little look at John the Baptist. Be right back. 
It's time for the Monday afternoon mix. We are uh, always looking forward to the gathering of the three of us, Pastor David Miles and Rosie B. And we love to mix it up. And that's what we do on, on a Monday. Monday. Mix, 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 mix. On a Monday. Mix, 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 mix. So I spent all this time preparing for John the Baptist. I did like four or five hours of prep. And the first question that comes in from a listener, I can't even come close to to answering. What's the question? Um, I'll let Rosie answer. (laughs) Here he he posed it to me and I answered wrong. What is it? Well, the question was, and this was from last week, about the Matthew 11, 11, truly I say to you, among those born of women... There has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist, yet the yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. That was the, the question I couldn't answer, and I did all this work to come up with the answer, and right now I can't find it. Oh, so, oh, so you did find an answer. I did find it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty easy answer. I could probably tell you what I remember, but okay. I have all these good notes, and right now I can't find my notes. Well, Isn't that frustrating? Because you've spent it's five fr- hours. It's beyond frustrating. Yeah, it's beyond right? frustrating. I almost think we should post, once you find them, we should post those notes or read through them. Um, yeah, we um, can do that. Uh, yeah, we no. can do that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not happening. So, David, did you do a little homework on John the Baptist? I did, but I'm, I'm trying to, well... You can't use my excuse. I was... Actually, going to try to find an answer to the question that you were asking. So I did a little the, homework. The, the, the talk qu- amongst yourselves. Yeah, the answer is is, is, <laughs> is, ba- is basically the position that that John had uh, prophetically that he would be the one that would be announcing the Messiah. That made him so great that he was chosen to be that front runner. Uh, that call that would that would be the front runner to the Messiah. Yeah, and is that? But then not- I don't get it though, because isn't the second part of the verse and even those that are least. Of these are greater than he. Yeah, but John didn't. John didn't see the crucifixion or the resurrection or anything. But everyone in heaven has understood that. Okay, so yeah. that was it. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, and uh, I have more on that if I can find my notes. <laughs> I've got a question though. Okay. Make okay. it easy. Make it easy. It, it is easy, and okay. because I, when I was studying, it kind of came to me that I have a couple favorite phrases from John the Baptist. Do you guys have a favorite phrase? That you can attribute that he said it. Why don't we start by hearing yours? That okay. gives us time to think what ours might be. My, my first one, I have two actually. My first one was, I must decrease. I love that. So mm-hmm. he can increase. Love that. Servanthood, surrender, obedience, takes pride and just puts it way below the spirit. I love that. Because he was quite um, notable. Mm-hmm. He had quite a following. He had his he own did, disciples. He did have his own disciples. Right? Yeah. So to to be able to say, I am going to decrease so he can increase. Yeah. I think it was the opposite. I think it yeah. actually says he will increase and I must decrease. One of the reasons I love talking about John is he lived his life to introduce others to Christ. Yeah. He focused on the mission of God that was before him and stopped at nothing. Oh, I love that. Yep. Yeah, that is really neat about him, you know, just to have uh, a humility and an understanding of like... You know who you are and who you're not. You know, one of the one, one of the real amazing things I remember serving um, as as a pastor at Brooklyn Park Free Church uh, in Brooklyn Park. And when I first got there, uh, there was this little event that happened in New Orleans called Hurricane Katrina. And um, you know, I was fairly new and remember just introducing God laid on my heart about us taking a team down to do dirt teams, disaster recovery teams. Uh, as a way of partnering and sharing the gospel and stuff. And 
I have this wonderful dear brother named Pat Murrow. He was one of the associate pastors there, been there for a while, neat, neat guy. And I was sitting there praying about what to do. And and Pat came to me and he said, hey, Dave, he goes, you know, if the Lord's wanting you to do this, here are the people that I would suggest that have some really neat hearts and also experience in this. And he goes, and I would be happy to serve as your associate lead on this. And I was like, what? Wow. And I'm like, okay, you're a seasoned pastor. You've been here forever. Not only did you say, like, here are the people that I think would be a benefit to do this particular short-term mission, but I want to support you, want to undergird you, and actually um, serve as your number two on this. Mm. And he didn't, like, there was no sort of, like, territorial, like, I'm the guy who's been here, dun, dun, dun. But, and Pat just had this heart about him, the way that he would serve and how he developed leaders from the background was amazing, was literally amazing. And like, um, it, it ended up being this just really neat all church ministry of the way that the church just really loved this section and really as a whole church ministered with others in New Orleans and, and get it, don't get it twisted. I'm not saying I'm Jesus. I'm, I'm speaking more to the beauty of humility of someone mm-hmm. coming in and saying, here, let me lift up this so that other people can see Jesus. And I bet you that's a lesson you have not forgotten. No. Because it was shown, because you know it, you've read it in Scripture, humility. Mm-hmm. You know, the last will be first and the first will be last. But when you experience humility, it changes how you yourself will interact with others. Yeah, it really does. And I would say probably, if anything, on the DIRT teams, the, the biggest blessing that I had was the ability to be a servant to so many other credible leaders, because in essence, what what Pat did, I ended up doing, like, because mm-hmm. like we really empowered our leaders so that um, when we would go do ministry, and I remember one one gal on our team in our church came and said, you know, I don't under, I don't really understand, you know, this like your team works together, and we had like all these various people who did leads, like a lead construction person, lead finance person, homeland yards. And one person said, I don't like really like this is really wild because you have a number of guys who own their own construction companies and you have a number of leaders who are amazing and they 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 work so well. And I said, well, number one, we've empowered them to lead. Number two, one of the guys, Scott Manstead, he was our construction lead. God just really burdened his heart for New Orleans. And I would tell people they'd come and they'd be like PDM. I'd say, go see Scott. Well, I would, oh, go see Scott. And I would tell people Scott is fully empowered to lead this and like, don't get it twisted, especially pastors. Don't get this twisted. Like just because there's six letters in the front of our first names does not mean we have a corner on the Holy spirit. Mm-hmm. Some of the very best ministry things that will happen in a church happens because God really equipped Ephesians four pastors to equip the body of Christ to do ministry. And so like when you, when you release and empower people, amazing things happen, but watching Pat do that for me and the way that he would continue to do it, you know, also, but me to do it for other people. All right, moving. I I like that story, David. <laughs> but I'm I'm so fixated on my John the Baptist notes. I can't. I'm like, you I found can't, them, didn't you? I was oh yes, you, I did, did find you? them. I was giving you time to find. <laughs> and I found them. All right, so let's let's talk about paradox. Jesus is saying, truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Hmm. But here's the paradox. John didn't even see himself as worthy enough to baptize Jesus. Or to tie the sandals. Tie his sandals, right? I am not worthy to tie But that wasn't John the Baptist. That was another disciple. 
I think it was. It was John the Baptist. It was John the Baptist. Yeah, John the Baptist. It was. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Rosie. Good call. That's okay. But we go back to the position that John had, the way he was chosen to break the 430 years of silence that had existed since Malachi. Mm. So it wasn't John's personal holiness or his special talents. Um, It was God's special placement that he gave him. So he was a spirit anointed from the Old Testament right to the New. And when he was told that there is no one that has risen greater than John the Baptist and who is ever and whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he raises the question how can John be the greatest if even the least in the kingdom is greater than John and i think John again never saw the crucifixion or his glorious resurrection so even the least in the kingdom of heaven knows the, these events and understands them completely I thought that was kind of an interesting find. So yeah. the listener that asked that question sent me on that journey, and there's my conclusions. I will now take my seat and <laughs> let you guys talk. I love that, though. That is a twist I I hadn't considered, mm, yep. right? But you know what I love about it, too, is it helps us with ego and wanting something for ourselves that feels akin to popularity or frank fame or something, because you can look at any of the current leaders in the church and go, oh, I wish I had a ministry like that. And the truth is, is they were anointed for that ministry, chosen by God. And and if you can hold on to that, if you can grab hold of that, then you can look at your own life and say, where, who are the charges that God has given me? Like, where is my realm of influence? Is it your home? Is it your neighborhood? Is it stuffing bulletins at the church? That might be what God has for you to do. And you can do it to his glory because that's what he's chosen. It's less about us. Yeah. And I think, you know, as you said, Bill, this was a role that God had assigned. So, like, even a person can be great because of faithfulness. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, John was faithful. And, um, you know, it reminds me of uh, Dr. Martin Luther King uh, Jr.'s, the, um, the, uh, uh, the drum the drum com- commander's thing. Or, and basically it's this, this message that he gives and he talks about the beautiful thing that Jesus said about greatness is that he who wants to be greatest is a servant of all. And he says, so greatness, all of us have the capacity to be great in God's eyes, which mm-hmm. ultimately mm-hmm. matters because all of us can serve. Mm-hmm. And like John was faithful to do what God called him to do. Um, the old saying was about an old rabbi, Rabbi Zucra. Uh, he said, uh, I, I think it's Zustra, Zustra, and it says, you know, the Lord will not ask me why I wasn't Moses, why I wasn't Elijah. The Lord will say, why weren't you Zustra? Mm-hmm. And so our world so often wants to get our eyes into being somebody else. But here on the Monday Afternoon Mix, we're going to tell you once and tell you again, you are a once in eternity creation. There will never, ever for all of eternity, be another one of you. Like God, when he made you, he broke the mold. And then he sent his only son, his only begotten son, to shed his eternal blood on your behalf for the forgiveness of your sins and eternal life. Like you have infinite and eternal value. I mean, like unbelievable. And and you need to hear that today. Like you need to hear that God loves you that much. He loves you that much. That he only made one of you. 
And I know you might be saying, oh, well, thank goodness he didn't make. No, seriously, like God only made one of you. That is how unique. Even if you had a twin, you have different thumbprints. You are so unique and so special in God's eyes. And he wants you just to faithfully live out you because God's an artist. He didn't make a copy. He made you. Nice, David. David Miles. So I, I'm excited to think that when I get to meet John the, the Baptist, I want to say, tell me what it was like when Jesus comes up out of the water and you've got an all-access pass to this experience mm. where at that moment the heaven was opened and the Spirit of God descended like a dove and, and alighted on him and a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love with him I am well pleased. That's a mic drop moment. Ah, yeah. And I honestly think that men, boys, go out into the world in strength when they hear that from their earthly father. You are my son. I love you. I'm proud of you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if boys don't hear that from their fathers, they go out into the world in weakness, not in strength. They might spend a big portion of their life trying to win that acceptance, try to, yeah. trying to win that love. I think, you know, I know you meant women as well, but I just, you know, I think of the impact of fathers on boys and women. You know, women will go and search for, if they don't know that their father loved them, yeah. proud of them, honor them. Mm-hmm. They'll go find, you know, it in a way that is not godly often because they're searching for something. So that's the completion of that father's love. Jesus had it from our, all of our Heavenly Father, His fa- Heavenly Father. And what a beautiful example of how we are to parent our kids. Yeah. I was sitting in a, a study the other day, <clears throat> and we're actually in this passage in Matthew, and it was talking about like acceptance and affirmation and what this passage did. And one of the persons responded and said, you know, like, think of a time of just acceptance and affirmation. The person said, my dad. Mm. This gal said, the way my father loved me is such a picture of the way God the Father loves me. And it, it was so life-changing. And, and like it allowed me to step out into the world. And it's interesting because she said, even in my married life, there's times where I've stopped and said, wait a minute, I'm asking my husband to do what only God can do. Because like I realized that my father loved me in a way that it showed the earth, my heavenly father's love for me. And that I was laying these expectations and pressure upon my husband that I needed to go. But it was really interesting listening to someone make that correlation because of hearing, <clears throat> this is my daughter whom I love with her. I'm well pleased. Mm-hmm. But that's really seems like it's an important thing to hear and to understand that your father, your earthly father loves you because we get it from our heavenly father he loves us. He's for us. He wants us to abide in him, to be obedient to him, and his love is abundant. So I think I'll go to break. I'm out of profound things to say. That <laughs> <laughs> happens once in a while. It was a great way to go into break, though, because you had me. I'm sitting here going, yeah. I was too. I was yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, I was locked in. You man. guys were politely nodding your heads up and down. I know. Like, I, yes, I got a little, yeah, yes, I know. Yes, I like that. Abiding especially. I love that. I do. I love that word. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, uh, as far as I know, we will all be here. Monday afternoon mix, Pastor David Miles, Rosie B.
Start each week with a moment of reflection and prayer with the Faith Radio Prayer Devotional Email. Sign up today at MyFaithRadio.com. We're back with the Monday Afternoon Mix. Pastor David Miles and Rosie B. We're talking about John the Baptizer, or like Rosella said, John the Immerser. She said it was considered one of the last Old Testament, Old Covenant prophets, which I love. Mm. That's good. It's good. Very good, it's yes. Really good. But w- what a life from the, uh, the pre-born, in-the-womb, Leaping when Jesus shows up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This must be the one. Why else am I leaping as a fetus, right? <laughs> and yet at the end of his life, he's questioning whether or not Jesus was the one. That's yeah. a head scratcher. Well, you know, even a step before that of Jesus, of, of John being in prison, you know, we, we were talking a moment ago about the importance of the Father speaking into um, Jesus' life and the important and the affirmation of knowing God's hand on you. And we see in Luke chapter 1, we see in Matthew chapter 1 how God had his hand on John the Baptist. And because of that, because of that security in the Father and because of that security in who God had called John the Baptist, it allowed him to do difficult things. And one of the difficult things that he had to do was in Matthew chapter 14. And in Matthew 14, um, you know, Herod's hearing about the fame of Jesus, and uh, he thought that uh, this was John the Baptist again because he had actually had John the Baptist killed. And why did he have John the Baptist killed? Well, um, you see, Herod wanted to uh, marry a gal named Herodias, which was his brother Philip's wife. Mm-hmm. And John had said to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. Okay, so he basically told her, like, look, dude, this is your brother's wife, and no, you can't have him. Because, you know, we talk about John the Baptist coming and being one of the prophets. And prophets, one of the things that they did is they spoke truth to power. Right. Like, they they were like, listen, like, we're just going to speak God's truth in this moment. And listen, you might think that you have power, but any power that you think that you have wouldn't happen unless God gave it to you. So even then, you don't really have power. And so you find John the Baptist speaking out about this issue, and it it upsets Herod. And it upsets Herod's brother's wife, Herodias, so that when he's having a a party and a feast, um, you know, they're having a birthday daughter for Herodias' daughter, and um, he basically makes an oath that whatever she asks, he'd give it to her. Mm -hmm. So... There's a danger sometimes in filling your stomach with food and your tummy with wine and being in front of your friends that you get brash enough to make an oath and then all of a sudden you have to kind of put up or shut up. Because yeah. what it's happening is Herodias' daughter says, give me the head of John the Baptist on a plate. Where do you think that idea came from? I don't know, Bill. What did you <laughs> find in your research? <laughs> My research would indicate that it was... Um... It was the mom. Mm, yes. Because the daughter danced, right? Yep. And then she got whatever she wanted. Yep. Where would she come up with the head of John the Baptist? Hmm. Mommy. I'm guessing. Mommy wanted that head. Yep. 
you know, uh, yeah. I quieted, mean, like, it quieted him down. Yeah. And I mean, like, that whole thing of losing your head. And so, like, here's the thing. Like, we sometimes get it twisted that, you know, the Bible does tell us, yes, in James about, or Peter, about living a peaceable life and working with our hands. And standing for righteousness' sake does not mean that you will not have a persecution or, <laughs> you know, difficult life. You know, um, because here's the thing. John was like, dude, here, here's the facts. Like, God made a one man, one woman. And, and that's the biblical picture. I remember Dr. C. Ben Mitchell, who is my ethics professor at Trinity, talked about, like, marriage. It's one man, one woman for life. Anything else leads to heartache, despair, destruction, and things like that. And so, and listen, that might not be a popular message. You know, gravity might not be popular, but if you step off a cliff, listen, is, po- gravity is not up for a popularity conversation, nor is God's word. Okay. Mm-hmm. Humans speculate. God gives re- revelation. And so if you feel other than what God does, then, you know, get your own universe, your own savior, mm-hmm. your own Bible. <laughs> That's so true. And by the way, don't bother, don't borrow things that belong to God's because the earth is the Lord's of fullness thereof in the world and all who live in it. So you got to figure out how you're going to come up with your own matter. But God made it this way. And so like Herodias didn't like that. Herod didn't like it. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes speaking truth is not a popular thing and it can severely upset the apple cart. So so like if God tells you to speak truth to a situation with respect as 1 Peter 3:15 says, give an answer for the faith and the reason that you have but do it with gentleness and respect. But you know this this idea um that we're we're not supposed to speak truth to power. I mean like that's that's one of the very powerful things. And I, I want to encourage everyone to feel motivated to have the boldness. And I, I, I would love to pray for people to have that kind of John the Baptist courage to speak the truth. Because there's the risk of people getting canceled and losing their jobs if they speak the truth. But at what point do we do it and at what point do we not? Yeah. I mean, like, we we need to... You know, um, we've been hearing a lot about revivals, and revivals are really key, and they're helpful, and they're they're needed, and I'm praying for a revival renewer. And of the four great awakenings that happened in our country, during those period of times, people who looked like me were enslaved and killed and considered less than human. So it was a revival, but it, was great en- it wasn't great enough to change the discipleship and God's heart for justice for all image bearers. And sometimes, as Dr. Albert Tate said, like, who gets to call that? Because, like, would you not call the Civil Rights Movement or what happened during the Civil War where it actually led to society changing and not just tears and crying and some emotionalism that Jonathan Edwards wrote about when he talked about some of the reflections? I'm praying for great revival, and I'm praying for the fruit of revival. So... One of the things that's truly key is that the God who calls you to step into these situations, he's with you. He loves you. And sometimes, like the old picture of the one guy who was a lone man standing who refused to salute Adolf Hitler, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> Lars Landon van der Demick, I think it was his name. I just saw the picture the other day. Sometimes it only takes one person mm-hmm. to make that stand. And And the big thing is that 
before an audience of one, that's the one audience that we ultimately want mm-hmm. to be concerned about. David, one minute left. Would you pray for people to have courage? Yes. Heavenly Father, I want to pray for all of us, for us having courage to speak your truth and to live your truth in this world today, knowing that um, sometimes we don't realize it's actually when we step out in faith that you're there, Jesus, which seems like a sure fall to our end is where you're there and in faith and you want to hold us up and you want to give us the wisdom and the words like you spoke to the disciples and said, don't worry about what to say before kings and princes because I'll give you the words. So I pray this day for the things that are in people's heart that they even know right now that you're bringing to mind, that you would order their steps in the situation and that you would give them a divine unction to speak your truth in your love for your glory and for the good of those that will be hearing it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 May you continue to be bold as you speak the truth in love. Always got to speak the truth in love. Amen. Amen to that. David Miles, thank you so much. Rosie B., always wonderful. The contributions are great. We'll take a little break, and then hour two's ahead. Dr. Kerry Johnson's going to join me. And boy, we've got a whole number of things we're going to talk about. His his work as a, a doctor and also... Uh, a pretty powerful story he wants to share. Looking forward to that. We'll be right back. Very cool. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at myfaithradio.com.